Say, great music and songs from the heart never get old, does it? We've already been truly blessed. Thank you all so much for what you do. Well, today we will return to the book of Ezekiel. And we've made it to 34. If you remember last week, we were in verse 16. So it's a pretty big jump. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. The book of Ezekiel is not all about covenants. There's some pretty bad stuff in there that you really ought to take some time to read. There's a lot of judgment in between verses 16 and 34. It doesn't just narrow in on Israel or Jerusalem itself, but it kind of spans the whole area and all the people that God uses in this judgment of this time period. And so just a reminder, Ezekiel was this 6th century B.C., priest of Israel, called by God to be a prophet. So priest turned prophet. Now he lived in a time of political chaos, the struggles of world powers, and a small nation caught in between all of this. Now Israel wasn't innocent of her sins, and there was a time where God protected Israel and set it up as this city on a hill, this Jerusalem, this shining example. But yet, they failed and failed time again to live up to the covenant that God had called them to live. And so a holy God cannot stand in relationship with a body of believers or a body of people who corrupt, who sin, who drive a wedge between his holiness because unless you are holy, you cannot stand before a holy God. But this judgment, as many will look at it, was about wrath and anger and evil. But if that's how you picture God, you're missing the point. The judgment really wasn't about being an angry God, but it was about a cleansing, a purifying of God's people. It brought God's people back to a place where they could be holy and stand in front of a holy God. So if we look at judgment and we see God as the angry father figure who's just looking for us to fail and then strike us on the backside with the wand or, or things of that nature, then we've missed this point here. And so a little bit about this world. Remember that Ezekiel was this classical prophet. Not that he was trained in some kind of classical arts, but that he was a prophet who a book was collected about his work, about the oracles and the visions that he seen, about the things that he did in his life. And there was a school that was around Ezekiel during this time. And why is this important? Because we have to remember that there were prophets all along the way that would bring God's word to their people, but they were just kind of with the storyline. So if we look back in Kings, there are prophets there. If we look back uh, in other stories, there's prophets. Even Moses was considered a type of prophet. But when things are so bad in your life, when chaos is all around, when your neighbors and your loved ones have been destroyed, are hurting, are in pain, are suffering from famine and drought, it's hard to see the relevance of life in and of itself. And God raised up in the midst of people, prophets, many of them, to carry his word. 
And some in this small school collected the words of these prophets because they knew that the people couldn't understand now what they will understand later. For when you suffer, when you are in pain, it is hard to see anything good out of a situation. And these were the words from the prophet Ezekiel. And so he's classical in the fact that there's a book with his name on it. But it also tells us the fact that people recognize that we need to listen to the words of the prophets. We didn't listen to them in the past. And God's judgment came in. So we need to pay attention now to see what we are to do for our future. And so that's where he comes in. He comes in today in verse 34. We're not going to look, or chapter 34 of Ezekiel. We're not going to look at the entire chapter. But it's about prophecies against the shepherds of Israel. So this one has been understood traditionally as the leaders of the Israelites, so the kings of Judah and Israel, these people. So it's, it's oracles against those bad kings that would lead their people out of order, off of the path that God would have them be. But it's an interesting to note that this comes at the end of oracles, not just against Jerusalem, but all these other nations that had basically controlled Israel at some point in its history. Now, archaeology archaeologists, you know those guys that dig in the ground? <laughs> they have found uh, these tablets, these shrines, these inscriptions uh, for kings during this era or for uh, slightly before this, these kind of things. So in this cultural setting, so outside of Jerusalem, in the land surrounding there, there were these epitaphs for these kings referring to them as shepherds because these kings would come in and bring peace to an area. And when they brought peace, then they would also could nurture the people so there would be prosperity in the land. There, there was one of Hammurabi, I think it was, about him building this great canal on how it would bring waters to the plains and they didn't have to worry about drought again because they had an eternal water source to water their crops. And in an area that was prone to droughts and starvation, wouldn't that be something to do? It's kind of like the people who, who came to this area and realized they could drill a hole in the ground and pump some of this water up. You could have crops when the water didn't fall from the sky. And so these shepherds were these caretakers of Israel. So it could have just been Israel's people, but remember, God isn't just for us alone, is he? God is the God of all people. He created all, all those outside. And those who he has given authority and power to make things that would tend to his good creation, he holds them accountable whether they call on his name or not. I kind of think of our country. We say we're a Christian nation, and maybe that's true. Polls don't say that the majority of folks are in church today worshiping God. But yet, for some reason, God has given our country a unique position as shepherds for many around this globe. How are we living up to that call? Are we bringing water to the thirsty? Are we feeding the hungry? Are we stripping the land like these shepherds did of all the natural resources for their own fat? 
their own bounty, their own uses. So when we read these words of judgments, we need to open our eyes and see how we are living our lives. But when times are hard and we don't know how to remember the good things that have happened, we are given scripture to return to. So if you will join with me, verse 25 of chapter 34. God says, I will make them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will send down the showers in their seasons. They will be showers of blessings. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And the earth shall yield its increase. And they shall be secure in their land. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hands of those who enslave them. They shall no more be prey to the nations, nor shall the beast of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid. And I will provide for them renowned plantations so that they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them. And that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord. And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture. And I am your God, declares the Lord God. Covenant of peace in a time where everything seems to be going wrong, where your homeland has been destroyed, where even your temple, your place where God's presence is promised, is no longer there to offer its security, to offer you a bit of God's presence on this earth. God speaks through this prophet and he tells them a covenant of peace. Did you hear that? Did you hear the words on what true peace is like? It's like going to the zoo when there are no cages and there will be no fear. It's for those who no longer can tolerate snakes being able to pick one up and hold it. Isn't that crazy? That is what this peace will be like. It's to where you can lay down in the presence of your enemies and close your head, close your eyes and sleep tight because for some reason there is comfort there is peace it's where the yoke of slavery is destroyed I'm reminded of Billy Graham this week I'm sure by now most of you have heard the news that Billy Graham is now with his Lord and Savior he has earned his crown he has finished his race And he passes the baton to this generation to pick up the call of the gospel of a simple message. One that God loves you. A message that says no matter where you are, God can find you. No matter what you've done, God cares for you. No matter what sins enslave you, God can deliver you. Do you hear the songs that we sung today? 
showers of blessings. Showers of blessings we need. Did you hear that? We need. See, that's the thing about prosperity. We forget we are in need. We forget all of our luxuries are but a gift, but a bestowal of trust, of stewardship, and one that we are given the honor of using for God's glory, for God's kingdom. We forget we are in need. Showers of blessings we need. So this is the story in Ezekiel. Ezekiel tells us about a holy God who institutes judgment. But there is a promise of an everlasting covenant, of this covenant of peace that will one day replace fear and chaos and let us sleep in the woods in peace and secure security. But let's follow the history of this people. Ancestors, Abraham, time of enslavement, Moses, deliverance, a people, a king, a king that had united all nation to them. There were one people. Didn't last long, did it? War, split, north, south, chaos again. Over and over again, these people would come to God and then they would forget in their time of blessings and security. And again, they would forget. In this time, even of Ezekiel, of this punishment, of this judgment, of God's wrath that history tells us, it does come to an end. And these promises are fulfilled and the city is rebuilt. But the people knew that they had their city, that they had some of their pride back, but yet they were still under the hand of a world power, one that they just could not seem to shake. And so they began to look, look for a Messiah that could deliver them from the Romans or the Greeks or whoever it was at the time. And many of these little Messiahs would come up in rebellion and yet they were squashed quickly. And there was one from a tiny town in Bethlehem who would come. He came to deliver them, but it wasn't a message that they sought because his message was the way of the cross. His message was the way of the weak becoming powerful. It wasn't the one they wanted to hear. For they wanted their kingdom, they wanted their pride, and they wanted it all together. And so many in this nation missed it yet again. But in the promises of chapter 34, in verse 22, we find that when God says, I will rescue my flock, they shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between the sheep and the sheep, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and I shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. This is the shepherd that they look for. Even though their land was restored, their temple was rebuilt, they had not yet met their shepherd. Their shepherd comes in the form of Jesus. 
The shepherd who could now take a judgment for their sins and make it everlasting. So I ask you again, have you met this Jesus? Have you met this shepherd who can break the yoke of slavery in your own life? Has he become your Lord and have you become his follower, his disciple? doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you come. God loves you. For a holy God needs a holy people. And Christ's blood has washed you as pure as can be. All you have to do is believe in the name of Jesus. Repent of your sins and follow him. For the cross cross has done all the work for you. The simple gospel is the covenant of peace that the message of God delivered to those people so many years ago. And so when we find that peace, I want to remind you of what a great shepherd once said. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you have given us this opportunity to come into your house. Lord, I pray for each and every one of those that are in our congregation today. I pray if they have called on your name, if they have called on your name as our Lord and Savior, I I pray that you give them the strength to follow you, to follow you through the valley of death. For you are with us. You will protect us. You will guide us and you will lead us every step of our journey. But Lord, I pray even more for those who have come today that do not know you as their Lord and Savior. That it doesn't matter what they've done, where they are at in life. You love them. You created them for a purpose. And when we learn that all we have to do is bow our heads and believe in Jesus, that no matter what we have done, we'll be washed clean and we will be pure who can stand in front of a holy God as his holy children because the judgment has already been taken and that is on the stripes and the scars on our Savior's back. Lord, give us the courage to be your people in this city, in this time that people may see the light of Christ shining through us as we live as examples of your servants in our places of business, in our places of service, 
that our life will be a witness to your mercy and grace. It is in your name we pray. Amen. And now as we enter our time of invitation, if you have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please come forward. If you have decided that First Baptist Church of Floyd to Texas should be your home church and like to move your membership, please come forward. Or if you're simply in need of prayer or prayer for a loved one, come forward at this time.